If you would just remain standing with me, grab your Bible, turn to Psalms 33. Psalms 33. Now I feel real patriotic today, and I'm glad this morning to be an American. Amen. I'm glad to live in the United States of America. It's only by the divine providence of God that I was born in America. I could have just as well been born in communist China. I could have been born in the jungles of South America or somewhere in the far depths of Africa. But I'm thankful this morning, not by anything that I've done, just by the hand of God. He saw fit to allow me to be born in the United States of America. And I want to thank him for that. But with that comes great responsibility. That's a great blessing. With that comes great responsibility. The Bible Bible says in Psalms chapter number 33, verse number 10, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Father, we come to you this morning thankful to be here on July the 5th, 2020. Lord, we just celebrate the birthday of our great nation. We thank you for allowing us to be in the house of God today. And Lord, as we come and we stand here before you today, we want to say thank you for who we are as Americans. We want to say thank you for allowing us the privilege to be able to worship, to hear the gospel, and to be saved by the grace of God. Lord, we thank you for the time that you've given us here together today. Lord, I pray that you would gather my thoughts today. I pray that you would take my tongue and my lips, God, and use them for your glory. And Lord, I can't preach or do or say anything that would magnify you without unction. Lord, I pray this morning that you would forgive me of sin, cleanse me of self, and I pray you give me the touch of God to be able to deliver today to these people exactly what you put in our heart. Father, we thank you for all that you've given and done, and we'll give you glory for what you do in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Psalms chapter number 33, this is a probably familiar place. You've probably been seeing this particular verse of scripture in these last few days, but I'm thankful for the truth that is found in these verses. Verse number 12, the Bible said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And in its context, this was speaking of the nation of Israel. But I'm thankful that God in his character who cannot lie, as he penned down these words in the word of God, I'm glad that that applies to you and me as well. And I'm thankful that a nation that will make its God the Lord. I'm glad the Bible says that it will be blessed according to Psalms 33 and 12. I could not help but think as we celebrate the 4th of July that the year was 1620. There were 102 pilgrims of Dutch descent that landed on Plymouth Rock. They had survived 65 days of sailing the mighty Atlantic Ocean. They reached the new land that they had set out for to build a new life and looking for freedom to worship their God. They came with a Geneva Bible in their hand. They came with thanksgiving in their heart. These were not just any people, but these were people of prayer. Before they set out, they prayed and asked God to bless their journey. And whenever they landed on Plymouth Rock that day in 1620, ladies and gentlemen, they bowed down on a bended knee and they thanked the God of heaven for giving them safe journey and passage and delivering them into the new land. They did did not pray to Muhammad. They did not thank Buddha. They did not 
think the, an earthly king, they did not rest in their intelligence or praise their own strong will, but they bowed down with a Bible in their hand and they gave thanks to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They gave thanks to the God of heaven. I say that that is one of the greatest testaments of the fact that we are a Christian nation in its foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, as they nailed on the shores of that new world and they gave thanks to God, they, my friend, would go on to establish the Plymouth Colony. They survived because God had his hand upon them. He sent them Native American friends to teach them how to hunt, fish, and grow corn. And they lived in that new land. This was the beginning of what would become in 156 years, 13 British colonies that would put together delegates and would say to the king of England, we're tired of the tyranny. And these delegates of 56 brave patriots, they would sign on July the 4th, 1776, the Declaration of Independence. And this begins the 244-year history of what has been called the greatest nation on earth. A nation that is great because it's a nation that has fell into Psalms 33 and 12 and has been blessed by God because we made God our Lord. Amen. I find that we are blessed in tremendous ways and America is a unique nation. It's why we are hated the world around. Ladies and gentlemen, we are large geographically. God has blessed us from the east coast to the west, from Canada to Mexico with natural beauty. We are blessed with tropical beaches, green valleys, rich farmland, towering mountains and great plains. Our land is rich with natural resources. It has given us the ability to be self-sufficient. We have sufficient rainfall and rivers to distribute the water to provide life all over the entirety of our country. There's not a place in the United States of America that we could say is unlivable and is not productive. Our climate, though it is various across the United States, is agreeable. We have oil and coal and natural gas. We have uranium. We have the fuel that we need to, my friend, provide for our industrialized economy, our free enterprise system, a capitalist society. Society has made it possible for nearly anyone who will apply themselves and work and live a decent life. And by large, our standard of living in the United States of America, my friend, is the highest in the world. I say this morning that we are a nation blessed by God. Our government is set up to be a representative of the republic or of the people. It is set up with checks and balances in place to limit the use of power. This is because our founding fathers believed the Bible and they believed in the fallen nature of man and they did not believe that anyone even them own selves could be trusted with absolute power and so they set up this representative of the republic that we are with my friend a limitation of power ladies and gentlemen the second amendment was put into our bill of rights to make sure of the security of our free state and our freedom that my friend our founding fathers by the hand of God working in their heart prevailed Provided and pinned down, my friend, it is provided and allowed for us the freedom to worship, the freedom to speak as we please without fear of persecution. My friend, God has blessed our nation in great and mighty ways and he has given us all of these things so that we might be a nation that as it has been in days gone by, a missionary command post sending all across the world and financing the work of missionaries to nearly every continent and every country in the world so that we might be a vessel that spreads the gospel from one side of the world to the other from 
from the north to the south, the east to the west, the world around. Ladies and gentlemen, we at one time, we're not now, but at one time we led the world in missionaries. We led the world in evangelization. We led the world in spreading the gospel. We also, my friend, not only fulfilling the great commission, but as a nation, we have fulfilled the word of God in my friend loving our neighbor as we loved ourselves. The United States has led the world in humanitarian aid and we have run to the side of our friends in times of trouble. There has been days that our soldiers have fought not for our cause but for the cause of our friends because as Americans we believe in taking care of our friends. I say thank God for God blessing us and allowing us to be who we are. In America we've been blessed by God to have some of the greatest preachers that have ever put shoe leather upon their feet. We have my friend had in our great nation men like Jonathan Edwards. George Whitfield came and preached in the cornfields of the United States of America. Carried his fold up pulpit around. He'd go to the places that nobody else would go and he'd stand in a field and preach and hundreds would come and be saved and be born again. George Whitfield influenced one of our great founding fathers Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin wasn't a born again Christian but he hung around George Whitfield a long time. He seen something and heard something in him and it was Benjamin Franklin when the first Continental Congress met that he called for prayer on the Congress floor. Ladies and gentlemen we've been blessed by God to have the great awakening, the first and the second. We've been blessed by God to see revival move and sweep through our land time and time again. It seems like when one great revival preacher goes home to be with the Lord, God will raise up another one and God will send somebody to stand strong and tall and to proclaim the gospel because America has been blessed by God. With that comes great responsibility. It is still our duty to fulfill the great commission as a nation. Amen. It's still our duty as a nation. My friend, to be good to our brothers and sisters. My friend, across the world, even the French historian Alexis Tocqueville, when he visited the United States in the early 1930s, he published a volume study on the democracy in America. And he said that it was um, amazing how Christianity intertwined with the government. And he said that it was very surprising to him. He said, upon my arrival to the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. My friend, may I reiterate the text that we read. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Alexis Tocqueville, I don't know where he stood with the Lord, but I imagine from the time period and from the country that he came, he was probably of an atheistic or an agnostic mindset. Ladies and gentlemen, this man, when he come to the United States of America, he seen something that he had not seen in Europe. He seen, my friend, faith in action. He seen the Bible being lived by the common people and even intertwined into the political system of our country. That's a good place to say amen right there. My friend, he said that America is great because it is good. And he said if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Even his companion that had traveled with him, ladies and gentlemen, he was impressed about our Christian foundation. And he said religion in America is not only a moral institution, but is also a political institution. All of the American constitutions, national and state, exhort the citizens to practice religious worship as a safeguard both to good morals and public liberties. In the United States, the law is never atheistic. I say thank God this morning for the foundation that has been laid in our country. We have been blessed with a great heritage of people. Our people
people, my friend, have been rich in diversity. My friend, and most of our uh, ancestors and founding fathers, for the most part, were honest, respectful, hardworking, and God-fearing people. They, by the hand of the Lord, laid for you and I that are sitting here this morning a great foundation in our nation's governing documents and laws. There is evidence of this God-fearing, Bible-believing people. It is clear even in the opening remarks of the Declaration of Independence when Thomas Jefferson pinned down these great truths. He mentioned God's name, my friend, in the opening phrase of the Declaration of Independence. And then he went on with that familiar statement. And he said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. In the first two clauses of the Declaration of Independence, God is mentioned in the first and an indication of God in the word their Creator is mentioned in the second. Ladies and gentlemen, it is evident that our nation was founded upon the right thing. John Adams, a member of the Continental Congress, drafter and signer of the Declaration of Independence, the, the second president of the United States, said our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Thomas Jefferson, who was probably a genius at 33 years old, wrote down the Declaration of Independence. He was the father of the Bill of Rights and the fourth president of the United States. He said, no nation has ever yet existed nor been governed without religion, nor can it be. The Christian religion is the best religion that has ever been given to man. And I, as the chief magistrate of this nation, am bound to give it the sanction of my example. George Washington, our first president and great leader of the Revolutionary Army, said it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God or the Bible. Woodrow Wilson later on in time and history said America was born a Christian nation. Harry Truman in his day, he publicly announced this is a Christian nation. Herbert Hoover said American life is building and can alone can alone survive upon the fundamental philosophy announced by the Savior 19 centuries ago. But ladies and gentlemen, as we have seen, America as a nation that has been blessed by the Lord because we have made our God the Lord in our foundation. We are a Christian nation. It is undeniable that we are and who we are and where we came from and that we were founded upon the principles of the Bible. It is evident in our laws. It is evident, my friend, in who we are. And the very existence of our nation is a testament of the fact that there is a God in heaven. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Well, you tell me how some ragtag militias could come together, ladies and gentlemen, fight against the greatest world power of their day and come out victorious. It had to have been the hand of an almighty God. Ladies and gentlemen, but I present to you this morning under this tent that though we are a nation that has been blessed by God, America as we know it, America that we love is under attack. The foundation of our nation is under attack. There is an active movement in our day to erase American history because of what I just said that in our history is the evidence of an almighty God. There is the evidence of the hand of God. There is the evidence of God's grace and of God's mercy and with that comes great responsibility. There is an attack upon our foundation. There is a desire to remove it. It didn't just start when the coronavirus hit in March of 2020. It's been going on a long time now. A little at a time ladies and gentlemen they've been taking out bits and pieces of American history out of the textbooks that are used 
to teach our children. But ladies and gentlemen, the fact remains that in 1620 there was some men got off of a boat called the Mayflower and they knelt down on the shores of, the, of New England and they prayed to the God of heaven and they thanked God for blessing them with a safe voyage and asked God to bless the new land and the new world. Ladies and gentlemen, in a roundabout general way, you and I were included in that prayer. It is evident, my friend, from those days until the present, the hand of God has been upon our nation because of our foundation. But the foundation is under attack. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you that our faith is under attack. There is a movement just like there always has been in communist nations like China, like the USSR in days gone by to move our nation toward a sense of an atheistic, humanistic thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, they desire to remove the Savior. They desire to remove the Scriptures and to remove our standards. You say, preacher, why is that? Because we will, ne- we will never move towards socialism or communism as long as we believe in the God of heaven. Because the God that we serve in the Bible that we read is a Bible that speaks about freedom. It is a Bible that speaks about liberty. And ladies and gentlemen, they must remove that. And I might I say this more, not only is our foundation under attack, but our faith is under attack as well. Ladies and gentlemen, the family is under attack in the United States of America. Marriage between one man and one woman, ladies and gentlemen, is under attack because it is, my friend, a degradation of the family. And my friend, as one writer said, the nucleus of all civilization is the family. Lee Coca said, my friend, that if we gain everything that there is to have, but yet we lose our own family, what have we gained? There has been an attack in America for many years upon the family. And ladies and gentlemen, that is my friend going all to the same uh, my friend conclusion. It's trying to erase who we are. America was built on hard working men and hard working ladies that came together as a family. They raised the farms here in the mountains of western North Carolina. They were tended by families. Thank God this morning for the family. Might I say that God instituted the family? God put the family in the church. It's the family that works in the church. And I'm thankful this morning for the family. But may we guard this morning for the family is under attack. We see in our day that America is under the attack. Not just in its foundation, its faith in the family. But the facts are under attack as well. Ladies and gentlemen, the three questions that are being attacked is who am I? Where did I come from? And where am I going when I leave? There is a gender revolution in our day that I do not understand. Ladies and gentlemen, it is attacking the question, the fact of who am I? Ladies and gentlemen, when a man is born, a lady is born, they're born man or woman. There's no in-between. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Ladies and gentlemen, but the question, the simple question of who am I is being attacked. And then there is the removal. This is a movement of the removal of absolutes in our day that there's nothing we can nail down and nothing we can pin down. I want to say this morning that from Genesis to Revelation. I have a book of absolutes that was written by a holy God that was given to fallen man. And every word is yea and amen. It is truth from beginning to end. And it's a foundation that we can stand on. But in this day of the removal of absolutes, the question is being attacked, where did I come from? This has been being taught for many years now in our schools and in our universities that an amiibo somehow or another began to transform into a homo I've got news for you. There was a God in heaven that looked over at God the Son and he looked over at God the Holy Ghost and he said, let us make man in our own image. And my friend, 
on the sixth day of creation, God made Adam in his own image. And he breathed into him the breath of life. Ladies and gentlemen, that is an absolute. And might I say this morning, the atheists, the evolutionists, they're always looking for the missing link. I want to tell you this morning, the missing link is God. It is the Bible. It's in here, friend. And it takes more faith to believe that an amiibo transformed into this over millions of years, my friend, than it does to just simply believe Genesis chapter number 1 and Genesis chapter number 2, that in the beginning God, and that He is the creator of all and the giver of life. Where did I come from? There is an attack upon where we came from. I want to say that if we came from God and we did, my friend, they want to remove this fact because it creates to us a responsibility to God. And ladies and gentlemen, there is a desire to remove that. Then there is the question, where am I going when I leave? If you don't know where you came from, you ain't sure where you're going when you leave. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that according to the Bible, though the fact of where I'm going when I leave may try to be erased, my friend, the fact still stands that it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment that there is a heaven and there is a hell. But I'm thankful this morning that I also know how do I get to heaven when I die. I'm glad that it is through and by the blood of the precious Lord Jesus Christ. He came to this earth as God manifested in the flesh, walked sinless and perfect, went to the cross of Calvary, shed his blood so that a fallen man just like myself could kneel down before him at his feet and get born again by the blood of a lamb. I'm glad that I stand before you this morning because of Jesus justified in God's sight, redeemed. I stand before you delivered from the bondage of sin. I, my friend, have been delivered from the penalty of sin. I've been delivered, my friend, from the punishment of sin. And one day I'll be delivered even from the very presence of sin at all. For God said, my friend, that I have a new body and there is a place prepared that he spoke about in John 14. I'm thankful this morning that there is an attack in America upon the facts that there is, my friend, a judgment to come. But I'm glad this morning that there is a fact that Jesus came that my friend we can stand before God justified there is my friend because there's an attack upon our foundation faith family and the facts it is my friend an attack upon our freedom Judges chapter number 2 and verse number 10 the Bible said and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers that means that they died and the Bible says and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done for Israel I believe we could interject America in to that particular verse of scripture we could say that there has been a generation that has arose which knew not the Lord and doesn't know what God has done for America might I say and present to you this morning mom and daddy you teach your children what God's done for you you teach them also what God has done for this great nation listen ladies and gentlemen God's done things for me personally but God was able to do things for me personally because of what God done nationally for our nation I say this morning that the 
there is a generation that they think they want socialism. They think they want communism. But ladies and gentlemen, that is only because they knew not the Lord and what he done for us in days gone by. I say this morning that the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, they were committing high treason whenever they signed that particular document. And they were committing high treason to the strongest world power at the time. And as they signed their name at the bottom of the Declaration of Independence and John Hancock in boldness and with great courage, he signed his name great and bold and big. And you know that many times we say, put your John Hancock right here. He signed his name and he said, I want the King of England to be able to see my name without having to put on his spectacles. He said it with great boldness. And my friend, we don't really understand all that they was doing whenever they signed that document. But they were putting out a bounty upon their head and they committed their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors for the cause of freedom. For you and I to be able to be here this morning and to worship our God freely without fear of persecution as they signed there is no doubt in my heart that they felt as Patrick Henry did when he addressed the first continental congress with men like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington present at the St. John's Church in Richmond Virginia on March the 23rd 1775 Patrick Henry began to say no man thinks more highly than I do of the patriotism as well as the abilities of the very worthy gentlemen who have just addressed the house but different men often see the same subject in different lights and therefore I hope that it will not be thought disrespectful to those gentlemen if entertaining as I do the opinions of a character very opposite to theirs I shall speak forth of my sentiments freely and without reserve this is no time for ceremony the question before the house is one of an awful moment to this country for my own part I consider it as nothing less than a question of freedom or of slavery and the proportion of the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate it is only in this way that we can hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God and our country. Should I keep back my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense, I should consider myself guilty of treason towards my country and an act of disloyalty toward the majesty, majesty of heaven which I revere above all earthly kings. Let us not, I beseech you, sir, deceive ourselves any longer. Sirs, we have done everything that we could have done to avert the storm that is now coming on. We have petitioned. We have remonstrated. We have supplicated. We have prostrated ourselves before the throne. He's talking about the throne of England. He said, and have implored its interposition to arrest the tyrannical hands of the ministry and parliament. Our petitions have been slighted. Our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult. Our supplications have been disregarded and have been spurned with contempt from the foot of the throne. In vain, after all these things, we may indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope if we wish to be free. We must we, we, we mean to preserve the estimable privileges for which we have been so long contending if we mean not basically to abandon the noble struggle in which we have been so long engaged and which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be obtained. We must fight. I repeat sir, we must fight. An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left us. They tell us, sir, that we are weak, unable to cope with this so formidable adversity. But when shall we be stronger? Will it be next week or next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed or when a British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire
acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supplyingly on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have bound us hand and foot. Sirs, we are not weak if we make a proper use of the means which the God of nature has placed in our power. Three millions of people armed to the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as which we possess, we are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, listen to this now. We shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations who will rise up, friends, to fight our battles for us. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, and the brave. Besides, sir, we have no election if we were base enough to desire it. It is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard from the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable, and let it come. I repeat it, sir, let it come. It is vain, sir, to accentuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually began. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that the gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear, peace so sweet, as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry spoke these great words before our founding fathers. He spoke from his heart. They say that when he spoke this great speech that he did not use notes, but he spoke directly from his heart and by the hand of the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, might I say that as Patrick Henry said in his statement to the Continental Congress, we must fight. Might I present to you this morning that we are standing before in the United States of America 244 years later and we see America under attack once again but more of a spiritual nature than it has ever been and we too that are under this tent must fight as well we too must stand for the right we too must stand for our foundation our faith our family for the facts and we must stand for our freedoms you say preacher how do we stand we must stand on our knees in prayer before a holy God we must stand with boldness and courage upon the precepts of the word of God we must stand upon our faith and we must believe God in these days we must teach our children we must teach those that will listen we must do all that we can do to teach the generation that does not know the Lord what he has done for us because he is the reason that in 2020 we are here today ladies and gentlemen we could have easily been speaking Japanese or Chinese or some other language but we're here today in America my friend a part of the greatest nation on earth because of the hand of almighty God and there's a generation that needs to know that Mark Twain said in the beginning of a change the patriot is a scarce man and brave and he's hated and scorned but when his cause succeed the timid joins him for then it costs nothing to be a patriot we need in this day some men and women that are glad to be Americans. And they're glad to be Americans because they realize that had they not been an American, it would have probably been less likely that they would have heard the gospel. And if you had not have been an American, it would have been less likely for you to be saved by the grace of God. That's why it means something to me to be an American. Because as an American, I've had the privilege every Sunday of my life, if I wanted to, hadn't been, but if I wanted to, to have heard the gospel somewhere and somehow. 
I've had the privilege to go to people and ask them to pray. I've had the privilege to see God work and God move. And we need some men and women that will be patriots. But it costs something. It has cost the 17,000 men that died in the Revolutionary War. It cost nearly 900,000 of our men on the Union and on the Confederate side in the Civil War. It cost 116,516 in World War I, which was supposed to be the war that would end all wars. But just a few short years later, tyranny arose in Germany and 405,399 men of our servicemen had to give their life on a battlefield so that you and I could sit here today under a tent and hear the gospel preached and to be saved by the grace of God and to have the freedom to raise our hand and say thank you Lord for being my savior 36,516 men gave their life on the grounds of Korea 58,209 men died in Vietnam and thousands have died in various other conflicts including Desert Storm, the War on Terror and other places ladies and gentlemen for the freedom that you and I have how dare them take a knee to this flag it means something ladies and gentlemen it means something. It's more than a, a, about a, a, an economically prosperous nation, though God has allowed us to be so that we could finance missionaries to go across the world. That's what it's all about, really. But ladies and gentlemen, it means something because my people and your people, men that Lester served with, ladies and gentlemen, men that you served with, have given their life for us to be here today. And many of you, Lester, spent a career serving this nation Brother Kyle spent years serving this nation. Others of you in the building probably have spent your days serving this nation when you could have been doing other things. Thank God for you, Lester. Thank God for you, Kyle. Thank God for you, men. And then we've got men that strap on a gun belt every day of their life to serve in the law enforcement field to protect it protect us and to enforce the laws that we have in our land. I say thank God this morning this flag means something. God bless America, and he has. And my friend, he will again if we will return to the principle outlined in Psalms 33 and 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Whenever we put the Lord back as our God, I want you to know God will bless again. Amen. I present to you this morning that it is our responsibility to fight on our knees with our Bible in hand and trusting the Lord. Believing as the psalmist said in Psalms 18 and 2 and 3. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength. In whom I will trust my buckler, the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. This is a little different message this morning than I normally would preach. But this is important. Because the only reason that I get to preach Jesus and Him crucified is because of the foundation and the heritage and what this flag stands for. And so I believe it important to teach a generation where we came from, why we are who we are, and the cost that it cost for us to be here today. I want you to stand with me all over the tent. And if you're here this morning and you believe that God is able to bless our nation once again, would you gather with me in this altar 
And would you spend a few minutes with me as we pray. And we ask God to help us in these difficult days. We ask God to put his hand on our nation one more time. We ask God to help us in these days and in these hours to make the Lord, Jesus Christ, our God, nationally once again. Ladies and gentlemen, this land that I love is under attack. Life as I know it and as you know it is under attack. But I'm here to report to you that as Patrick Henry said, we are not weak. We have the ear of God Almighty. So this morning as we pray, let's ask God to touch our land. On this July the 5th, 2020, let's do our part. Let's be a spiritual patriot. Spend time asking God to move. Send awakening to send revival. Almighty God, I come before you this morning. Grateful, Lord, for your many blessings. Grateful for the hand that you've put upon us. God, I want to say thank you for allowing us to be Americans. Lord, I'm glad to be an American. God, I realize this morning that it's only by your hand that we are here today. And Lord, I realize that when you work in that manner of divine providence, that with that comes purpose and with that comes responsibility. Now, Lord, as I come before you, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to be able to do my part as an American, to use the resources and the freedom and the liberty that you've given me, Lord, to proclaim the gospel and to spread the gospel across the world. And my, Lord, I pray that you'd help me, God, to be, Father, a good steward of all that you blessed us with. Father, we thank you and we love you. We give you honor and glory and praise. And Lord, as we come before you this morning, God, we do ask that you'd forgive our land of the sin and the atrocities that we've committed. God, we've been blessed by you, but Lord, we haven't been a perfect nation. God, I realize this morning that, Lord, we are, Lord, not where we ought to be nationally. God, I can't change Washington, D.C., but, Lord, I can sure change where I'm at. I can change my family. Lord, I pray that you'd help me this hour to be all that you want me to be. Father, I love you this morning, and I thank you for mercy. I thank you for grace. God, I do pray today that you'd have your will and way in every one of our lives. God, I want to thank you for the men and the women that have given their lives. Over a million men and women have given their lives for the cause of freedom. And God, I thank you for it. Lord, as we come before you today, Lord, we realize what the Scripture says, that the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. God, we don't want to be a heathen nation. Don't let America steep into paganism. Lord, I remember reading Harold B. Seitler writing a sermon, Will America Steep Into Paganism, over 35 years ago. And Lord, here we are. And I realize that if we go that way, that it will come to naught. Lord, if time tarries, you don't come back soon. 
Lord, I want my children to experience the heritage that I've experienced. God, I want them to know, though it's been 244 years ago, I want them to know what our nation was birthed for and the kind of men that stepped forth with great courage to commit their lives, fortunes, and sacred honors. God, I pray that you would let our children see your glory manifested through our nation once again. God, I believe it to be important. God, I ask you to help us, guide us, and direct us. Lord, if there's somebody under this tent that doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin, I pray, oh, great God, they come to you before it's too late. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you this morning. Bless our service this evening. And we give you glory for all that you've done. Guide us now and help us, every family, every individual under this tent. God, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Miss Martha, will you come up here just a minute? While you make your way back to your seat, let's do that old song that I love. It's a song that when I, they were singing when I got saved. Let's sing, I just want to thank you. It may not be July the 4th, but it ain't far from it. And let's rejoice this morning in who we are as Americans, who we are as Christians, born-again Bible believers. Let's rejoice.